Hello, everybody, and welcome to Football After Dark. So we uh, we haven't done an episode uh, in a long time. Um, of course, this is me, Nate Kuyper, pro- oh. professional sports broadcaster and PFF employee. I'm joined by number one Chiefs fan and OOT Rando finalist Matt Dustman. Yep, that's me. But look on the bright side. Uh, we may have missed an episode, but not because of daylight savings time. It's literally after dark more often than it isn't. So, we're, Yeah, it is. Yeah. We actually get to be football after dark now, not football after high noon. <laughs> and of course, our... <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I I had like an inch I had like an introduction for you like planned out in my head and then like I don't know what just happened to me I think I just like had a stroke um yeah. now Corey Clemens uh yeah. professional Hades player and our social media wizard and the guy that keeps us uh on track and on time for all these episodes uh we are not joined by Justin again Justin's you know busy you know I guess what is he doing? We 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 didn't think of a, a stupid thing oh. that we can have him doing in this episode. He's, he's licking Tom Brady's wounds for him because Tom Brady has a guy for that. He doesn't lick his own wounds. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, jo- Justin's down in Tampa Bay licking Tom Brady's wounds. Uh, he will not be joining us in this episode. But again, we didn't do an episode for a while. Um, I I like to think that all three of us were a little distracted last week. For uh, slightly, there was a skosh. I mean, there's things happening in the world. Right yeah, now. yeah, things happening. So we were a little distracted. Uh, but now that it's calmed down a little bit, we had a week of football to talk about, which we are going to talk about this week. Um, we're going to kind of talk about the games on Sunday because we didn't get a chance to, especially because a lot of the news this week has kind of stemmed from Sunday, especially now that we're past the trade deadline. And now the majority of the news that we get is literally just COVID related Um, players going on and off the COVID reserve list, which we will talk about as well. But some of the games, uh, the the big games that we wanted to touch on Sunday. And I think I just wrote them in our group chat. We'll just go in order. Um, So Sunday night, we had the rematch between the saints and the Buccaneers. Of course, the Buccaneers now with arguably their full complement of receivers the same thing can be said for the saints of course the buccaneers also added antonio brown and the saints proceeded to beat the ever-loving shit out of the tampa bay buccaneers uh for basically the entire game there was not a point in the game where it looked like tampa bay was even going to be able to mount any sort of comeback um i yeah that was was an old-fashioned ass whooping there was a lot of and of course we're gonna we'll let Corey, you know focus mainly on this game because it's his team um but i was listening to the pff podcast this morning and sam monson who's really really good uh he's just got a lot of really good insights i'm not just saying that because he's technically my boss i'm saying that because he really does have a lot of good insights he was talking about how they're just there were just things that were happening in that game that the saints weren't even doing like jpp had a pass drop right out of his hands that could have been intercepted. There was Jamel Dean had arguably his worst game ever as a player. Um, they couldn't pass protect. They couldn't. It just felt like everything just fell apart for Tampa. 
Meanwhile, the Saints, like the Saints even turned the ball over. And we thought that like, oh man, here's a big swing of momentum. This is what Tom Brady needs. Nope, they immediately punted the ball back to New Orleans. Um, it's pretty disgusting. Yeah, the Saints now have, uh, right now, because of some divisional uh, win percentage, stuff like that, they are currently the number one seed in the NFC in a three-way tie uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and... Green Bay Packers, they're all 6-2, and two, but due to some tiebreakers, uh, New Orleans is, in fact, the number one seed right now. Seattle, the two. Green Bay, the three. Um, I'm Corey, I don't know how... I don't really know how to react to that game. Like, was that... Is this just a bad matchup for Tampa? Or was this just a situation where this is a full... Comp, like, this was the Saints. Like, this is the Saints the way we envisioned them to be in the preseason prior to all of the injuries, all of the COVID related stuff, all of the problems they've had. What was it? I I think it was a mix of everything. And I, I'm going to say like the biggest thing we had was game planning because we've seen Tampa Bay and go out and like shut down number one receivers and everything like that. But we haven't seen them shut down 12 receivers in a single game. <laughs> was that how many there was at the end? There was 12 there was 12 different people who caught a pass in that game for the Saints. That's wild. 12 right. different 12 different people. I couldn't I even I couldn't was... even name you more than 5 off the top of my head. <laughs> Maybe 6. I think I think there was some, well, we all know Marshawn Lattimore hates Mike Evans. And I think that spread to the defense. I think them seeing that Drew was tied or behind Tom Brady by one touchdown on the all-time touchdown list, I think that was something for them saying like, all right, we're going to go out here and we're going to get Drew a bunch of touchdowns and we're not going to let Tom Brady get any touchdowns. So there was that. There was Lattimore's hate for Bucks offensive players spreading. Oh, his there tweet was... at his tweet after the game <laughs> was so good. Better luck next year. Oh, you know, just real quick. I know that it's, it's a funny meme, the whole Marshawn Lattimore versus Mike Evans thing. And it was great. Like, obviously, it worked, right? You guys beat the tar out of them. But if I'm... Maybe this is just me. If I'm a coach on the Saints, when we're, like, watching the, the film back from that game and Marshawn Lattimore's playing the way he's playing against Mike Evans, as happy as I am, a part of me would want to go to Marshawn Lattimore and be like, look, you can't just play like this when it's Mike Evans. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. because a lot of the problems the Saints have had defensively this year is in that secondary, on that back end. Like, I can't have you, like, if I'm talking to Marshawn Lattimore, like, I can't have you two games a year being the best corner in the NFL, and then the other 14 games, you just seem uninterested. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the one bit of criticism that I would have. It's funny that that's the criticism, but that's the one bit of criticism I would have towards the saints and specifically Marshawn Lattimore of like, you're not maybe playing just, he maybe just Lattimore has a very specific set of skills. 
<laughs> that is good against Mike Evans and nobody else. That might be true. That was the, that was what happened with Ike Taylor for the Steelers. For whatever reason, he was able to shut AJ Green down almost effortlessly. And it, just just nothing AJ Green can do about it. But Ike Taylor was like mediocre against everybody else. So maybe that is what it is. That or like a free rent situation where Mike Evans goes up against Lattimore because he got shut down a couple of times. Like, yeah, fuck, I can't get past this guy, dude. I just can't get past him. What well, about we know, like Mike Evans is a big deep threat. So if you. Lattimore's able to press him at the line more, knowing that he's probably just going up for a go route, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just that straight line, like, over-the-top stuff. I'm not saying and he's really good at it when he can get, like, off, you know, the blocks and everything, but Lattimore might just be able to read it better and go up against it better, because both the passes he defensed were just, like, either it was either a go route or a fade route, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never really thought of, and obviously the, it helps that Lattimore just absolutely hates him. This game could have easily been fifty-two to three. You th- <laughs> it could have been even worse it, because there was Drew Brees had a no, he didn't have. I know Jared Cook in the beginning, like the second quarter, he had a fumble and like on like three yard line. Yeah, and then there was another turnover. We had another fumble. I'm pretty sure. I I think the the interceptions were just. I mean, there were some throws that he was trying to do too much. It's just we've seen it in two or three games this season with Brady. Now it's like he just tries to do too much, or he doesn't have the right rhythm with his receiving core. That's... And it's because it's not like Brady's been bad. It's just like I, I don't know how to explain it. Is it? Is it as there easy? Some, there was so many deep passes by Brady that game that were nowhere near any players. And a, a lot of them were when Antonio Brown was on the field. So you just have to think, like, they just didn't have that. You know, they had, like, a week of practice together, and they just weren't on the same page, like, at all that game. I was going to say, how much of this are we tacking on to them trying to force the ball to Antonio Brown because you got to remember like going leading up to this point, Bruce Arians has said like, he's just an insurance policy. If he starts acting up, we're going to get rid of him. Like, but then he comes out on the field. He was on the field. What was he? Like he played like 35 snaps. And like you said, all of these targets he got, they weren't even close. So as an offensive coach, I feel like you need to make the choice of like, okay, it's clear that Tom and and AB are not on the same page. We need to stop trying to force the ball to him, but they kept doing it. So maybe part of the blame was the fact that they were trying to maybe force feed Antonio a little bit to kind of make him happy, which was the big thing everyone thought they were going to do, which was, you know, why you shouldn't bring in a guy like Antonio Brown because he can do that to your offense, but I think this was a, I mean, to say that it was a statement of, you know, the Saints, you know what it was? The Saints played Chicago two weeks ago, right? And after that game, they were like, oh man, we got to play indoors. 
Like we 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 can't be outside. We can't play outside. The history the history has been with uh even though uh Drew Brees doesn't play that well uh out outdoors, he does play really well outdoors in Tampa. Which is Oh, it's warm down in Tampa. Yeah. I just I, I feel I still worry about the Saints if they don't get the one seed and then they gotta go into Lambeau or Seattle in December and January, they don't have a chance. They the Saints have to play for the one seed to you make think, the Super Bowl. I think they and then can, with the Super Bowl being in Tampa and Drew Brees' stats in Tampa, they could win the Super Bowl. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair all, all you gotta do look, Corey, believe it or not, all you gotta do to win the Super Bowl is make it there. <laughs> and then you guys are good. Uh speaking of the Super Bowl, I'm gonna ask Matt a question about his team. So and this is going to be – I'm kind of being facetious because I don't think it matters, but I also just want to know your take on that game. Why can't you guys just blow people out? Like, what? what, what is it? What we is have it? a team that went for it on fourth down, uh, fake punted, and still lost. Like, they did everything they could to it- not beat us. Or they did everything they could to try and beat us, and it wasn't enough. And And also – had what was it a 67 yard kick that had it not been for the wind might have been good like how far was the kick that joey sly went for going for nfl record it was 67 68 yards yeah i just think like look it is is just another case where like everything you have to get a little lucky and the panthers got a little lucky at times in that game they played perfectly and they gambled hard they went for it on fourth downs they faked those punts they did everything they possibly could. They, their first drive was a nine to ten minute drive. They kept Mahomes off the field, and they still lost. Two things I'm going to say about that game. One about the Panthers. I agree that they were aggressive early on. They were going forward on fourth down. They were keeping the ball out of Mahomes' hands. They did everything right. And I feel like a lot of teams do that. A lot of teams will be like, they're being aggressive, they're keeping Mahomes off the field, they're playing good defense, they're possessing the ball, they're scoring touchdowns. And then for whatever reason, the Panthers got the ball down two, trying to drive down the field. And I don't know what happened to the play calling of Joe Brady, but like, they checked it down twice. Inbounds. They started getting scared because yeah. when Mahomes turned it on. When Mahomes turned it on, they were back in the game. It took the lead it, after being down by double possessions again. It, it it blew my mind that you're down two, and on th- almost three back to back plays, it was like a. It, it wasn't even like Teddy was dropping back and looking down the field, scanning the field, and then like, oh shit, there's nothing open. I have to check the ball down. It was like. He dropped back and threw the ball to Mike Davis for like two two-yard gains, and he was tackled inbounds both times. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you have a chance to win. You're down two. You've been moving the ball pretty effectively all game long. Like, it just it blew my mind that Teddy out of nowhere just like, nope, I'm not pushing the ball down the field. And plus, you guys were blitzing like all game long. Right, because mm-hmm. that's just yeah, that's oh yeah, just what sure. that's what Spags does, right? He's a blitz man. So he's blitzing. It's not like there aren't people. There has to be somebody open. They're bringing like five to six guys 
every time. Every time you drop back. And it was just like incredible to me that they went they went for like for 58 minutes. The Panthers were aggressive going forward on fourth down fake punts and then in the final minute and a half with a chance to win the game, they slammed on the brakes so hard that they needed a 67-yard field goal attempt to even attempt to win. Like, that type of stuff blows my mind that coaches can, like, swallow their play sheets that hard. And it just goes to show, like, what you said. Like, you get you get tight. You get nervous, right? And that was the other thing I wanted to say was, like, you got... God. Like, the only thing I can compare this Chiefs offense to, and it crosses sports, and maybe it doesn't make sense, is the Golden State Warriors, like, you guys can sleepwalk for a whole half offensively. Not defensively, offensively. Sleepwalk, right? Just look mm-hmm. like just lethargic, throwing shit, throwing Le'Veon Bell out there, and he's getting tackled five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, and then come out in the third quarter, and it's just like, all right, let's play now. And then you hang 20 points in the third quarter. It's just a case of, you know, it's like playing NBA Jam. They got to hit three shots in a row to get on fire. Do and you, then once they're on fire, you can't stop them. I, I heard an interesting take that, like, the Chiefs are at their most dangerous when you force them to not play by the rules. And what I mean by that is when you're, when the Chiefs are trying to play, like, modestly. And trying to be balanced and trying to like methodically like kind of orchestrate offense and keep it rhythm. Like that's when they seem to not be as dynamic and as interested. But the second you like put them in a spot where like, oh, oh, we actually have to like try. Then it's just over. Right. So at that point, I was trying to like I was like formulating in my head, like is the best plan of action against the Chiefs to like not score as fast. <laughs> like, don't put them down in a hole because if you put them in a hole, they just, like, explode. I know that sounds foolish, but, like, it seems to me that that's the only thing that works, you know? Like, mm-hmm. these these games that are close. Do you know what I mean? Like, when the Chiefs fall behind by a lot, their win percentage is, like, ginormous. And then obviously, like, you know, games against, like, Baltimore and stuff like that, when they blow teams out, you know, it's different. But, like, the games Kansas City has lost historically with Pat Mahomes at quarterback are the games where it kind of seems to be, like, a more back-and-forth type of thing, right? Right. So maybe that's the key. I don't know. I don't know how how that can be, uh, you know, done on a week-to-week basis. But, you know, Chiefs win again. It was a close-fought game. I think the Panthers are moving in the right direction. Um, But yeah, that play calling at the end just struck me as insanity. Um, So we talked about all your guys' teams. Play calling, you should talk about the Chargers. Yeah, I was... uh, I I want to add real fast. Yeah. The reason why I think the uh, Chiefs can't blow anybody out is because they're trying to establish a run game early, and then they're not really able to do so. Because they yeah. they're down three offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. it's tough, dude. That's gonna be that's gonna be one of those situations where 
man, you guys, like, I'm not saying, like, it's going to be catastrophic because I still think you guys are going to go to the Super Bowl. But, like, the road to that Super Bowl is going to be a lot more sketchy if you don't get Mitchell Schwartz back. Because, like, the real only thing stopping Kansas City, right, is, like, if Pat Mahomes isn't upright. You know what I mean? And if you guys can't establish a run and then all of a sudden Mahomes kind of starts to doubt his protection, I think that can be a a big issue. So you guys need Mitchell Schwartz back really bad. It sure would be nice if he came back. Yeah, dude, those back injuries are scary, dude, for offensive linemen. Yep. Um. So as as Matt kindly brought up, talking about fourth quarter play calling – and how it seemingly continues to cost the Chargers games. Corey, you said, I think the last time we were on an episode, you like Anthony Lynn as like a man and you would want him on your coaching staff. Dude, this is the, what is it? The sixth game they've lost by less than a score. Yeah. Oh, dude, at some point it's, it's going to get, because, okay, we know Herbert's good, right? Herbert has impressed everybody, right? Right. We know that you guys have that, – well, not you guys, but, like, they have good skill position people. I know they've been without Austin Eckler for the whole year, but we know Austin Eckler's talented. We know they have talent on defense, although a lot of it is injured right now, um, as it usually is for the Chargers. But we know that they're talented – this this is becoming a situation where the Chargers like how like are we at a point now where we need to be considering them moving on from Anthony Lynn because of how horrible they've been in the closing I, moments of these I games? I think I said it two. I think I said it two to three weeks ago that it's about time. How many more one possession games can they lose? How many bad? I mean, I'm sure you saw the Warren Sharp thread about the terrible play calling. In time management situations. Yeah, I, I, I retweeted it. It was gaudy. Like, it was t- <laughs> it was awful. And I love how he kept reiterating, like, I just want to remind you all, they have three timeouts. And you're running an offense, or, like, your, your play calling in this moment is indicative of, like, it was as if they were ahead, if that made sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was the vibe I was getting. Was they were trying to like slowly, metho- like like inch by inch move down the field, right? And just barely pick up these first downs and not use their timeouts. And then by the end, they just, you had five minutes and you needed a desperation, you know, goal line fade into the corner to a backup tight end in order to win the game. And like, sure, give credit to the Raiders. Like, whatever. The Raiders are five to three. Cool. You're gonna get your asses kicked by Kansas City this week for the revenge game. Well, next week. Well, next week. Yeah, I'm sorry. Next week, not this coming week, but next week. Um, no, this week is the uh, Tua Herbert matchup. Oh God. We're, we're gonna talk about that game too, but oh man, like the Chargers going up against a quarterback that's pretty much made his name off of come from behind victories. Yeah, I mean that was that was the first time we ever saw Tua in a national championship game coming back from behind. 
Mm-hmm. Second game with two. How do we feel about him now? He didn't do much in the first game. In the second game, the defense got another touchdown, but like Tua, in a sense, kind of outdueled Kyler Murray. Dude, that drive he had to tie the game was incredible. The drive he had, he was five for five. He had those two crazy, like, scramble, get out of the pocket, pick up the first down runs, right? Uh-huh. And then he had the beautiful pass into the corner of the end zone. Like, I know it was against the, the Cardinals defense, who isn't that great. But, I, dude, I don't know, man. I I think, I think Tua, if he can stay healthy, first of all, out of, okay, I'll say this. Out of all of the first-round rookie quarterbacks, Herbert, Burrow, and Tua, I like Tua's team more than the other two teams. Brian Flores, the the one Bill Belichick disciple that worked out. I think he's really good. I think he's a really good coach. Me too. I think I think if uh if if it wasn't for like Mike Tomlin, Flores would be in the running for coach of the year in my vote. Wait, who did you Oh, you said Mike Tomlin? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I don't know how Mike Tomlin doesn't get it. Um what what are, what would be the other coaches we would think of? Like I think a lot of people were saying, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Mike Vrabel originally, but like I think with the COVID stuff, I don't think they're going to give it to the Titans. No. Um. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know who else you would give this coach of the year. Doug Peterson. We're gonna give it to Doug. Pe- we're gonna give it to Doug Peterson. A lot of people probably wanted to give it to Bruce Arians before this week. Oh, God, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Certainly not anymore. Maybe Pete Carroll? But we'll talk about him and the gaffe he had after that game. Um, no, I think... After, Bri- getting, oh, after becoming the highest paid coach. Right, yeah. No, I think Brian Flores, uh, maybe he should. Maybe him, maybe Sean McDermott for the Bills. I think it's a short list. I think like, it's a really I short mean, list. I the Bills looked good again last week, but uh, it was, you know, Seattle's got a historically bad defense. Yeah. It's, I just want to see how the Bills, like, I want to see what Josh Allen does in, in, like, certain pressure situations. Yeah. No, I agree, though. Brian Flores is on the short list of um, of Coach of the Year. How about, how about Zane Gonzalez missing a 49-yard field goal, but he missed it short? Right. Oh, like when's the last time we saw a kick miss short when it wasn't fifty plus yards? Mm-hmm. It was as close as you can get to fifty yards without being fifty yards. Right, but like he was, dude, he was short by like a pretty decent distance. Like it was probably a good like two three yards. He was short. And even then, like, if it was an extra two yards, he might have hit the crossbar. And then who knows where the ball's going. <laughs> um, What about Kyler? How how do we feel in about Kyler year two? He's playing really well. It, he, he's, he's got finesse. He just doesn't get hit very hard. He's, he's like the type of running quarterback that could have longevity in the league. I mean, he's so fast. Like, his speed is just a thing, like, it's so weird watching him run and watching how fast he is and how little he is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, the, the 
what's it called? The the Gridiron Heights that featured him, which by the way, I did watch the new Gridiron Heights, Corey. It was really good. Yeah. Um, the Gridiron Heights that had him like running around as like the little baby was like, I was like, that's accurate. That's literally what it looks like <laughs> when Kyler Murray is running around, like making people two to three times his size miss on tackles. I still think that, I don't know. I, I his passer rating, I, it was it was kind of an interesting thing. His passer rating outside of the pocket was like abysmal, like it was really bad. But no one really cares. Like a lot of people, are like who cares because he can run. You know, mm-hmm. like if his passer rating is that bad when he gets out of the pocket, you know. But his passer rating was good when he was in the pocket. I don't think it really matters. So, oh, hold on one sec. Okay, there we go. Um, sorry, my I had to answer a question real quick. Um, so, speaking of out of the pocket, we're just going to transition from game to game. Um, another game I want to like briefly touch on, only because I have a, a I don't want to say this is a hot take. But I think I think it's about time that the NFL and us fans do something that we should have done maybe a couple years ago. You guys want to know what it is? Disband the refs? No. We need to take Philip Rivers out behind the shed. Yeah, it's time. He hurt his leg. Oh, he hurt his leg. I mean, I'm sorry. If you had a good run, buddy. But you can't race no more. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to do this to you. I don't run anyway. <laughs> That all started. Listen, that play that he had. Okay, I know it was funny, but that might have been the most unathletic thing I've ever seen on a football field. That was horrible. Like a kicker trying to tackle just a returner. Oh, dude, just I've seen better. I've seen better tackles by kickers. Yeah, I, I have too. Dude, just the flailing of his arms, and, and it just, he just it looked. A tur- like a turtle on his he, back. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. That's what I've been saying, like, all year, is, like, you're really trusting Philip Rivers to come in here and do this? I don't, seem, like, I don't anymore. Seem, yeah. Oh. I, I was on it. You were. You were on it. Corey was on, and it's funny because Corey's one of those. Corey's a big Philip Rivers stan. I think just mostly as a meme, not necessarily as like a player. <laughs> um, but no, you were on it. You were on the uh, the Philip Rivers is not going to work in Indy, and I thought it was. I just thought that the surrounding cast was too good, and you know that offensive line is one of the best in the league, and. They went and got DeForest Buck, which, by the way, their defense is good. Like, that's a really good defense they have there in Indy um, when it's healthy. But, God, that that play he made, when he, when he just, like, when his arms just, like, fall, like, limp on the sideline, <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, oh, my God. Um I'm anyway. gonna get oh 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 shoot man oh dang um he just jumped over me like a jackrabbit he just like it just like a jackrabbit um you guys continue to talk about 
um, Philip Rivers and how bad he was and, you know, just the whole Baltimore indie game as a whole. I'm going to go. I got to get a fork because my food's here and I'm going to go eat. Than they were last year. I mean, it, it is it is Greg Roman, who's mm. been one of the worst offensive coaches. <laughs> you saying Greg Roman's one of the worst? Greg Roman? Yeah, you saying he's one of the worst? He's been he's had like his track record isn't great. Like he'll have a good year, and then he'll have like three bad years. Yeah, his system um, doesn't seem to last very long. Did you guys see the tweet that I guess Lamar was like asked about it, and he said like teams yeah, that's have what we're talking about yeah teams have started to call out their plays. Right, that's what I'm. I'm like oh okay just, yeah Greg Rome maybe he's just like lazy and he like comes up with a great like playbook and it works really well from last year so they're like all right well. We're not going to fix what's not broken. And then he didn't like update it too much because really they didn't really get anything like new weapons on offense. Everything's the same. They got what JK Dobbins. Well, that's pretty much it. If anything, they lost weapons because they lost Hayden Hurst and he was a big right. part of their like jumbo set tight ends, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they and didn't, now really- they lost. Didn't, they just lose an offensive lineman, a big offensive lineman. Well, they lost Stanley in the Steeler game. Right. And I think another one of their linemen got hurt. I don't remember. Um, But I think, yeah, one of their other linemen got dinged up during the game. Yeah, it's not, I don't know. Their offense is, they're going to have to do something with that offense. They're, I mean, people know what they're going to play. I mean, I asked. Yeah. I mean, I asked the question a couple weeks ago, like, is this Lamar's ceiling? Like, is this what he's going to be? And is this what this offense is going to be? They don't adapt. Yes. They they need to just change. Uh, again, if they're going to be doing all the same play calling and teams are catching up on it, they're pulling in Atlanta Falcons. They're, they're resting on their laurels instead of trying to change. Like, even Kansas City, they're trying to establish a run game. They're trying to change their identity so they can win in multiple ways. You know, that's why they have a couple rough patches here and there. They, I don't know, man. Well, we know they don't adjust defensively because last couple weeks, like, they, we saw it against the Chiefs. We saw it against the Steelers. Like, they seemingly, both offensively and defensively, have this, this is our system, this is what we run, this is what we do. And Lamar basically is, I mean, when you really think about, like, where he was at this point last year to where he is now, it's, like, shockingly worse. I know that they're, I know they're six and two, and their only two losses are to Pittsburgh and Kansas City, but, like, just the offensive numbers they're putting up are not anywhere close. Tell me about it. Mark Andrews disappeared. I don't know. Don't ever I'll never draft him in the third round of a fantasy league ever again. Oh no, in the third round, dude? Oh uh, yeah, I did it like third or fourth round in every league I was in. That's what they need I know it's putting a lot of weight on Dez for somebody who hasn't played in like two or three years. But 
they really need him to come in and be like a just a possession guy. Like even if he's just running slants. Yeah, he's got to be there, like Larry Fitzgerald, their possession slot guy, who can just get because their other receivers are you know deep threats. They have the mm-hmm. uh, the Houston Texans dilemma. Right. Yeah, I mean, if they have them running the drag underneath Mark Andrews digs, like that's going to open up so much more for them, you know, because like just because Dez's hands are probably better than anybody else they have out there. He's bigger probably than anybody else they could put out there. It's just just for him to be able to like just block off and like well, pretty we- much just square up against defensive backs and going up for short passes well we didn't even get a chance to talk about it after that Steeler game dude marquise brown went on twitter and was like what's the point of having soldiers if you don't use them like i mean you if you have that coming from what a second year player that he feels like like dude what am i doing out here like you're not throwing me the ball you're not using me and you know matt touched on like we haven't heard from mark andrews like at all this year it's mainly just been their running game, Lamar running around, and occasionally, you know, Willie Sneed has a good catch, or Devin Duvernay's got a good catch. Like, they're not, as, as impressive as they are, and as good as their defense is, with the way Kansas City is living rent-free in their heads, and the way, you know, Pittsburgh came out after that game, Mike Tomlin was like, yeah, we're not afraid of Lamar. Like, we're not, and... They got Tennessee coming up in a couple weeks, and we know Tennessee is not afraid of them. Like, these are the teams, if they end up being a wildcard team, those are the teams you're going to need to beat to get make it in the playoffs. So, I don't know. It's con- things are, in Baltimore, things are a little concerning. Um, Matt brought up Atlanta, and I want to talk about Atlanta because... Well, Atlanta, ever since they fired Dan Quinn, they're like basically one play away from winning four games in a row. Well, that's what I was going to say. Remember last year, like, um, Warren Sharp did a good job of talking about it in his book. But, like, after their bye week last year, Atlanta went on this, like, crazy, like, their defense completely turned around and played, like, really good. They went from, like, dead last in almost every metric to, like, top five in every metric. Mm-hmm. They're kind of doing the same thing again. Like, pretty much. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're turning on. So how... First of all, I guess there's two parts of this. How dangerous can they be? Like, how much noise can they actually make in the NFC? And then two... I mean, is Raheem Morris earning the job? Uh, potentially. I really want to see, I just, I want to see how the, how they shake up at the end of the season. Like if they're in an outside chance to make the playoffs after what Dan Quinn did to them the first four to five weeks of the season and the last three to five years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, if they're able to like overcome all that and almost get a playoff spot, like if they get that seventh seed or the potential eighth seed now. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know how you don't hire him personally it seems like the players like him they're actually rallying around him they're playing tougher actually what i'm gonna do so they'd when to go on like they'd either have to go six and one 
or five and two. Like five and two would give them eight hundred, and that could be enough to get the seventh or the eighth seed because right? we can count out three teams in the NFC East, and you could count out probably the Lions. I think you can count out every San team. Fran. Yeah, San Fran's probably done. <laughs> but then you have three teams in the West. You get two teams in the South, and then two teams in the North, and maybe maybe Minnesota. But I do, I don't know. I don't think so. I, if I, if we're gonna throw San Fran in there, we might as well throw Minnesota in there too. So. If we um, if we isolate the Atlanta defense and we just look at the first, what is this, five weeks of the season? Yeah, the first five weeks before Dan Quinn was fired, right? Atlanta was the 20, so being like, for like it's self-explanatory, but like they were the 23rd, uh, they ranked 23rd against the run defensively, <clears throat> which is like not great. And they ranked 29th against the pass, which is horrid, right? So that's the first five weeks. But then if we go the last four weeks, again, this is when Raheem Morris is the coach. And we look at those weeks. Atlanta has become the best run defense in the league. They're number one in these last four weeks. And they're the number seven pass defense. So we're going from 24th against the run... To first against the run. And 29th against the pass to 7th. That's massive. <laughs> that That's like, you don't make that type of, like, what on earth was Dan Quinn doing? Like, what? It's the same team. It's the same players. Raheem Morris was the defensive coordinator. Like, what was happening? <laughs> I don't understand. Mm. I mean, it's just something with Dan Quinn. I don't know that they didn't. Obviously, he lost the locker room. So they, from last year, they lost the locker room. I feel like he almost sort of lost the locker room ever since losing that Super Bowl to the Patriots. They just haven't been the same since then. Dan Quinn hasn't been the same, and I think the the team buys in a little bit more to what Raheem's selling because he's the quote unquote unknown commodity for them. Yeah, I don't know. Like Dan Quinn, they know what they get with Dan Quinn. Heartbreak, uh, crazy, 99% win probability losses, and, you know, it, it, nothing. They didn't take any steps forward. saying for like two to three years, they didn't take steps forward to better their team. They just sat on what they had, and look what that got them. Like Dan Quinn has been nothing but a blight. I wanna... It's the same thing. Dan Quinn fell with Dan Quinn's rise to prominence with the Seattle defense, Seattle package defense fell when the offenses of the league figured out how to fight against him. Yeah, <clears throat> pretty much. I want to point out that three of their last few games have been against Detroit, Carolina, and the Buck or the Broncos, which are some of the worst rushing offenses in the league. That is true. Um, that's but the thing is, is like their run offense. You said what their run defense was in the twenty seventh, twenty eighth though before this, right? Th their run yeah. defense was twenty fourth. Yeah, and it went all the way to first. 
So they like, even though they played bad rushing teams, those teams should have been able to do something against them if they got completely shut down and shows something. The bigger shock is the pass defense. Like going from 29th to 7th is that rookie corner from the, that rookie corner there's his name is, is escaping me. AJ Terrell. AJ Terrell. Yeah, Terrell, he's stepped up, dude. He's been hey, playing really good. Let me tell you. And then Jerry Judy had his I, breakout game. <laughs> yes, listen, I was going to bring it up. Okay, so in the for those of you, you know, that aren't in our group chat, which is none of you. Um in the in the group chat, I wrote that Jerry Judy used to have this move in college where he would do this like crazy like drag step on his routes, and it would literally make DBs fall over. Like I don't know what like what he does and how he does it, but it would make. And he used it in the national championship game two years ago against AJ Terrell, and like all game long, Clemson Alabama. You can go back and watch Jerry Judy, like tormented AJ Terrell all game long and I was so excited to see what Jerry Judy was gonna do to AJ Terrell in this game and sure enough they line up one-on-one and Jerry Judy is running a go route and he even puts his hand up to sell the go route (laughs) which you no one ever does that he puts his hand up to sell the go route and then he cuts on a comeback route so hard that AJ Terrell disappears out of the picture. God, that was so good. <laughs> like, I mean, he vanishes. Like, you don't see AJ Terrell re-enter the frame until Judy <laughs> is about to cross the goal line. Like, that was... Like, there, there are some, like we were talking about Marshawn Lattimore and, you know, Mike Evans beforehand. Man, there are some... I don't know, dude. Like, sometimes a dude just has your number. And Jerry Judy, oh, now, as, like Matt said, AJ Terrell has been playing better. But, like, man, that was, that was about as bad <laughs> as, that's about as shook as a DB could possibly get shook. Next to, like, what happened to JC Jackson on Monday night uh, against Brashad Perriman. But, oh, I loved that picture. That, that little video of Jerry Judy just, Absolutely roasting AJ Terrell made me happy. Um, next thing, what was the next uh, the next game I wanted to get to? Oh, my team, the team that gives me gray hairs. Um, Love playing to their opponent's abilities, dude. I listen, man. Okay, let me explain something to you. I get why people love Mike Tomlin. I get why Mike Tomlin is probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach. I get why, you know, Steeler fans like me should be grateful that we have had a coach like Mike Tomlin, especially with a year like last year and how bad it was. I cannot tell you how sick and tired I am of going into a game. I went into that game against Dallas thinking to myself of the ways we can blow this game. Because I just expect it. I just expect the Steelers to play down to their opponent at this point. This is a weird stat with Big Ben in 1 o'clock games on the road. He just doesn't play as well at 1 o'clock games on the road. It was a 4 o'clock game. Oh, 
Was it? I thought it was a one. It was 100%. It was a 4 o'clock game. It was on at the same time uh, Arizona Miami was on. Are you sure it wasn't like 4 o'clock road games? Because that might be a thing. I don't know. There's that whole idea of like Big Ben on the road, but like, I don't even. Can I tell you the truth? I was going to get into a thing earlier. I don't even think he was the problem. To be honest, the um, defense gave let Gilbert Godfrey throw all over him. Yeah, uh, it, it was AAF superstar Gilbert. I know his name's not Gilbert, but Gil- Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, Garrett Gilbert is his name. So um, the Steelers, uh, for the second straight game, were without um, Tyson Alawalu, who's our uh, like nose tackle, basically. And if you were to go on like PFF and look up his player rating before he got hurt, he was like a top five interior defensive player. Like now, part of that's probably because he plays next to Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. But like that other dude who we have, I think his name is last name is Bugs, whatever his name is. He is not good. Like he is not great. Vince Williams is, I think, our lowest rated tackler. On the defense, he is not playing. Like, ever since he's been thrust more into that role that Devin Bush had before Devin Bush got hurt, our run defense has not been the same. Our pass rush is still, obviously, insane. Um, But the run defense isn't good. Hopefully, like, getting Tyson Alawalu back and getting Avery Williamson now from the Jets, who's actually pretty good. Like, Avery Williamson's actually, like, a solid... um, linebacker who I'm assuming is going to play a lot of meaningful snaps moving forward. But I just want to like bring something up. I mentioned it in the, in the group chat, but I actually went and got the numbers for it. So a big reason why the Steelers in two consecutive weeks now have come back from halftime deficits is like big Ben, big Ben coming out in the second half and playing really well. And somebody brought up, like, oh, man, like, they're running... Um, I'm going to try to not make this a super long tangent, but they're running a lot of, like, empty sets and stuff like that. Like, wow, that's really interesting. Well, like, the Steelers have run empty a lot, like, in the past couple years. This isn't something new. You can go back to, like, 2017 and find articles about us running um, empty set. But, like, the specificness, the specificness of the empty set is that... In these last two second halves, where the Steelers have been trailing, they've been running 0-1 personnel. And for those that don't know what that means, 0-1 means zero running backs, one tight end. Which means they're spreading the ball out with four wide receivers, and then usually it's Eric Ebron as the tight end, right? So, Mm -hmm. in the second halves, in Week 8 and Week 9 against Baltimore and Dallas, I went ahead and pulled the numbers up. In the second half of these games... The Steelers and Big Ben have run 40 plays in 0-1 personnel empty set, right? They have all been passes, all of them. 70% of them have been successful. Like, it's a 70% success rate. Uh huh. Big Ben is 30 of 39. His passer rating is 145 He's thrown five touchdowns, no interceptions, and he's averaging 9.4 yards per attempt. I mean, it's 
very very impressive I, you want to talk about a team that adapts that's them right there that is yeah that is in insane <laughs> like that level and especially when you consider like it's an empty set right so it's mm-hmm. not it's not like they're disguising the fact that what they're, they're throwing do right you, there's no threat of a running back there's no ben's not mobile the the, the opponent knows you're going to throw the ball and yet they're converting these passing plays at a ridiculous rate. And I don't know, like if this is like the Steelers, I don't know. I don't want to call it like a secret weapon because it isn't. But if this is like what they can fall back on, if they fall behind, clearly. Contingency. Yeah, it's like a contingency plan. Clearly it works. I mean, it worked against Baltimore. And Baltimore is probably the next best defense in the NFL next to them. Baltimore had no answer for it. So I thought that that second half, like just those, when I looked up those numbers, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like he's, he's, so he's 30 of 39, right? But they've attempted it 40 times. The one attempt that isn't in there was a sack. So if you, if you take that play out, He's converting nearly, what is that, 75% of those passes. He's completing 75% of his throws, 70% success rate, almost 10 yards, almost 10 yards per attempt. They're basically getting a first down every time they throw it. That's insane. <laughs> like, and to think that you can just adjust to that when you're behind, I don't know. I thought that that was the, that was the reason why we won the game. Like, defense not playing good, um, can't run the ball. We haven't been able to run the ball all year long. Our running, our rushing attack stinks. Um, but I thought that was insane, those numbers. So I wanted to share those with you guys. But, like, we were, we've we been talking all episode about, like, teams not adjusting. Like, Tampa Bay not adjusting offensively, you know. Um, Dan Quinn not being able to adjust. Um you know, all these teams not being able to do that stuff. And then you have the Steelers and the Ravens not being able to adjust. And then you have Pittsburgh offensively basically going like, okay, we're going to go into this zero one personnel set that almost nobody else in the league runs. Like if you go on and you look uh, at like snap rates and personnel groups, nobody runs zero personnel. The Steelers have run it like, I think like 56 times. I don't think there's anybody else in the league that's run it more than 10 it's just hard. It's just you don't see a lot. It's hard to game plan for. So I don't know. I thought that was the only thing out of that that was really impressive. But now we'll get to this Ben Roethlisberger being put on the COVID list <laughs> because of Vance McDonald. Um, they let him travel with the team. Then he played 20 snaps. I don't know, man. Well, didn't he test positive on Monday? Yeah, but he missed a game due to illness. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that makes me mad. You're right. <laughs> that makes me real mad. Oh, my God. Like, first of all, here's the thing. Apparently, Ben Roethlisberger has been, you know, a little more diligent about this type of stuff. Like, I don't think people are expecting him to, like, miss the game. Which, by the way, we didn't even talk about this. The fact that 
<laughs> he injured both of his knees in classic Big Ben fashion. <laughs> like, like, somehow manages to eat a sack and injure not one, but both of his knees, and then just come out and be like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, uh, God, man, man. Corey, you brought up an interesting point. You were like, it's been a long time since we've had one of those Ben Roethlisberger is so tough games. Right. So maybe he's just like due. He's just due for one of those games. I, dude, that, that makes me so mad. Ben Roethlisberger is so, so tough. He's out there with COVID. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nobody's Without touching his balls milk. because he's sneezing on them before. <laughs> no, no. Oh, God, no. Uh, did you see the Chiefs are filing a complaint with the NFL because they sent out some uh, rep guy to them for an interview thing, and he was walking around doing all sorts of stuff on the Chiefs facility without a mask or anything, and now today, as of like 30 minutes ago, uh, McCall Hardman's on the COVID list? No way. Yep. And this was like an NFL guy? Like an NFL official? Yep. The uh, they're trying to file a grievance with the NFLPA. It was an NFLPA rep. So what? What exactly are they like? What can they get? Like, are they? Can they like? What's the league gonna do? I don't know. Can the league like say, "Oh, sorry"? <laughs> like, what do you say? <laughs> What do you say? Oh, sorry, we sent a guy over to your facility and he didn't wear a mask and now one of your players has COVID. Sorry. It's pretty messed up, honestly. How do we feel... Um, this can be the last thing um, that we talk about. We're nearing uh, we're nearing an hour. Um, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the contingency plan that the NFL put in place. Uh, just in case we have games canceled and we need to move to, I think they said like if a game gets canceled and we need to move to like an 18 week season to fit in all the games that they'll include the eighth playoff team. Is that correct? Man, half of every conference gets to make the playoffs. Just imagine that for a second. And you know, some eight seed is going to beat a two seed and it's going to be like, no, they won't. No, they won't. Hell no way. No, you know what? Hold on a second. Hold on one second. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a challenge flag. I'm throwing it's a digging his sock to get it. I'm throwing. I am. I'm throwing a challenge flag on Matt. Okay, so right now, actually, okay, well, okay, let's start in the NFC. Right now, the eighth seed would be the Chicago Bears. Okay. They would be playing the Ooh, Se They would be playing the Seattle Seahawks. They're gonna beat the Bucks again. No, it's not the Bucks. It's the Seahawks. <laughs> Nick Foles against that defense. Yeah, the Bears things, beat the Seahawks. No, things, no. Things can change. The Bears <sighs> could be playing the Bucks. And and Tom Brady's nightmare against Nick Foles continues. <laughs> Nick Foles and then Khalil Mack as the sidekick. Oh my god. We didn't even talk about Seattle and how Pete Carroll was like, man, we thought they were going to come out and run the ball. And they just didn't. How funny is that? 
You think one of the worst rushing teams in the league is going to come out and run the ball? Here, not only are they one of the worst rushing teams in the league, but Seattle is really good against the run and absolutely atrocious against the pass. <laughs> so why? This is the type of shit that irritates me with coaches. Like, why Carol does... Carroll just got extended. So he'll be there for the rest of his life. Why, why does it not make sense? You're a coach and you're preparing for a team, right? And you're like, so you're preparing to play Seattle and you're the offensive coordinator, right? You're not worrying about Russell Wilson. You're the offensive coordinator. And you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you're going, they have a good run defense, top five run defense. They are awful against the pass. Why would you not do what the Bills did? Why would you not do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, why are coaches, this is going to sound really mean, but why are coaches that stupid? Why are you not trying to exploit your opponent's weaknesses? Do you know what I mean? Right. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I that that made me laugh so hard that maybe they were maybe they were thinking like, all right, well, we're gonna get the Kansas City respect now, and teams are just gonna try to hold on to the ball and run it against us and limit the possessions when no teams really tried to done that do that to them so far. Well, no, uh, that's what Kansas City did to him. Kansas City just ran the ball. Man, you you remember, Matt. Kansas City just ran the ball down Buffalo's throats. Yep. Well, no, that, I mean, Seattle was saying that. But... Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I understand that. Um, but, yeah, that, that would be the NFC matchup. And we've already touched on the fact that Cleveland would beat Kansas City. So I guess you have a point, Matt. Yeah, no, I mean, I could totally see that happening. That'd be scary. Actually, do you know what would be scarier is if Cleveland were to swap places with the team in ninth place, which would be the Colts. No. Because not only would you get good old Phillip Rivers against his old arch rival that he was so close to beating all those times, but then you get a Colts team that, I mean, Matt's got some rough memories with the Colts. Yeah, yeah, to put it lightly. And they're totally not the type of team that would just try to ground and pound and not let you touch the ball. And it's not like they beat them in the regular season last year or anything. Yeah, it's not like, you know, not like they have a, a better defense than they did last year and multiple running backs that they can throw out there and grind clock out. Not like that at all. For... But anyway... I think that's going to do it for us. Do you guys have anything else uh, that happened during the week or on Sunday that you want to touch on? Really? Not during Sunday. Not during not during Sunday. What about Monday? That was such a good game between that, that was two not, really bad. That was two really bad teams. Dude. Two really bad defenses. Dude, that – I can't believe you sat through that entire game and you won't sit through an NFC East game. What's the difference? Because that game was entertaining. Why was, was that? Too, it was two bad defenses, so there was going to be comebacks and score changes. Dude. And not just like three and out punts every time. because Not because of good defense plays, but just because of bad offense. You don't, you don't want to sit back and watch Carson Wentz just heave 
balls into quadruple coverage and get picked off? No. <laughs> Dude, like, Joe Flacco coming out looking like it's 2012 and he's got Steve... The playoffs. Yeah, in the playoffs and he's got Steve Smith and Michael Crabtree out there. Or Anquan Bolden, and he's just slinging it, dropping dimes. Dude, freaking Brashard Perriman absolutely roasting JC, excuse me, JC Jackson. Dude, the, I love the Rich Eisen on NFL Network as a Jets fan. And he said that, like, as he was watching that game, it was as if he was Marty McFly in Back to the Future, and he could see the picture of Trevor Lawrence in his hand fading away. Oh, it was so good. But then the Jets ultimately, you know, did Jets things and found a way to blow the game. Did that... I'll ask you guys this and see what you guys think. Did that game save Cam Newton's job? I don't know. Like, if, if if they lose that game, which would be utterly incredible if they had lost that game. If Cam Newton goes out against the Jets and loses to Joe Flacco, is there a discussion Tuesday morning about the Patriots just going with Jared Stidham? Because think about, like, where know. think about where we were at that point. Like, how bad Cam was playing. I think I think there would have been a discussion. I think there would have been talks of it. Cause think like they would have been what would they have been? They would have been two and six at that point. Yeah, two and six. They would have been in a tie with the Chargers and the Texans for at two and six had they lost. Like do, I don't know, man. I think that would have been that'd have been All rough. Right. So listen. I gotta let my cat out. We get, we get an extra playoff team, right? Patriots come in, they sneak into the playoffs. A few weeks earlier, you hear wind. Eli Manning has been practicing. No. No. He comes in. No. Signs with the Patriots. No. Takes the Patriots to the Super Bowl. No. What timeline is this? I don't this like is... any of anything of what you said at all. This timeline is awful. Why is he? Why Belichick, is he playing for the Patriots? Because Bill Belichick harnessing the wild card Eli Manning. I've seen, I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> I know what it can do. Gonna use them against the Nick Foles Bears in the Super Bowl. Why are you so incensed? With the Bears making it far in the playoffs. <laughs> because I want Matt Nagy fired so bad. I know it's not going to happen because some stupid shit like that's going to happen. I just thought you were like super into Nick Foles. You just don't like Matt Nagy. Nope. Next you know Wednesday on Fat Pod, we're going to fire all the coaches we don't like. Oh, see who, see I like who remains. I like it. We're doing it. On Wednesday. But before Wednesday, uh, hopefully, we have two more episodes. Um, I think all three of us should be okay. Um, 
for like the what preview day? episode. Um, um, Friday. I mean, I could do Friday. Friday or Saturday. I, I as long as it's a little earlier in the day, I'm down. We'll try to get. Uh, I know Corey, you're. You, are you good for that? Uh, Friday, I have something at one o'clock. I have to take my car to get uh, serviced. Ah, you need so, um. What happened to your car? You want to share? It just needs uh, software updates. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be like something more juicy than that. Nope. <laughs> um, I think so. it's pretty juicy that a car needs a software update in the first place. Hey. Uh, hopefully we can get Justin in for this episode. Um, I don't know, man. He kind of dead. He <laughs> well, he's down in Tampa. We got to get him. We got to fly him back to. We got to fly him back to he, Ohio. He's given. He's given Brady a pep talk. With a mouthful of back. mouthful of blood and scabs. Please, God, no! no, no, no. no. Wait, actually, Justin, Justin's not giving Brady a pep talk. Justin's giving Brady's offensive line a pep talk because that's what Justin cares about. <laughs> Right after the Tampa Bay defense destroyed his team's offensive line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, all right. That, that that'll be our head cannon for today. We'll roll with that. Wait, so, all right. So, Green Bay's offensive line got dominated by Tampa Bay, so then Tampa Bay's offensive line gets dominated by New Orleans. So, does that mean New Orleans' offensive line is going to get dominated this week? Is uh, it like a is you- it like a virus? Who do you going around? <laughs> who, wow. Who do you play? That's a good question. Yeah, who do you play this week? I should know this answer. Uh, it's uh, San Fran. So San Fran's. Like, no. The answer Dave is. Kim Kimma is going to just destroy no. Andres Pete. No, the answer is no. The answer is not going to. Now, I will say this. If San Fran had not turned into a fucking infirmary this year, maybe. Maybe that's how it was supposed to get set up. Maybe that's well, that was the trajectory we were on, and, and San Fran just ruined it. Yeah. So, but we'll be coming to you guys at some point uh, later this week. We'll preview all the games. There's some good games this week. Uh, we'll get into those. They're all at 4 o'clock, too. They, dude, I'm so excited. We're going to get a double witching hour. It's like it's going to be pretty sick. The first time I've ever been excited for 4 o'clock games. Isn't it because of the Masters? I think that's why. Because of the Masters coverage on CBS, like a lot of people, so. a lot of people aren't going to get uh, their local game because of the Masters, so they bumped a lot of games back to 4 p.m. I guess is what happened. Yeah. Also, I, the sad thing is there's no Romo this week. Why not? Oh, because Jim, Jim Nance is doing the Masters, yeah. so Romo's not casting any games. Okay. Hear me out. Question: uh, What if you put Kevin Harlan with Tony Romo? I, dude, or like, oh, is uh, that is that why uh, Akeem Talib's play calling this week? Probably. He's probably doing the. He's probably filling in for Tony. I was gonna say, can we combine? Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're somehow, some way, we're gonna get the Vegas game canceled. Okay. Okay. Up down. Then what we're gonna do is we're gonna go hijack Gus Johnson. From college football <laughs> on Fox. Okay. We're going to put him in the booth. Next to him, we're going to put Tony Romo. And then next to Romo, we're going to put John Gruden. And we have the greatest play-by-play team of all time. I'm down. All right. 
Corey, your job is to somehow get the Vegas game canceled. All right. Thank you. All right. That's your assignment for this week. Um, the It'll rest have of- something to do with the refs. That's right. Just to let you know. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, the rest of your people that are listening, the rest of your assignment is to go follow us on Twitter at FADPOD. You could subscribe to us on Patreon and give us money that Matt will remind. Wait, no. Justin will remind Matt to to use i don't know i don't remember how i don't know how patreon works i don't know how any of it works all i know is some of you give us money and some of you don't and the ones that don't i'm mad at you yeah how else are we supposed to support this server i know right <sighs> this great server that how, we else are we, how else are we supposed to support the Ganon job server <laughs> how, right? how we bring in all the bucks and justin reaps the benefits how else are we supposed to use these all these fancy microphones and new cables that we bought with the patreon money that we now can't use because we're in quarantine still we're not quarantined but we're like you know we're not recording together uh, justin better send me my mic i want it <laughs> I, want, I want mine what the hell damn it justin what the fuck dude He's too busy hanging out with Tom Brady. Get rid of TBEB12, dude. We didn't get time for that anymore. Yo, that's some deep fad. TBEB12? Yeah, that's some deep fad pod lore. Really is. You got, if you if you know, you know. Yep, you know, you know. And with that, I guess we leave. Goodbye. I love you. I, I don't. Hey, you guys did it.